Hello and welcome to episode two of Wise Choice, an official Wise Music Group podcast. We're here to rummage through the huge catalogue of artists and songs that are part of the Wise family. Yeah, and we're looking for connections between songs and the stories behind them, so it's pretty fun. Yeah, digging, digging in. <laughs> yeah, so we're your hosts, I'm Adam. And I'm Paula, um, and we're a composing and songwriting duo. Uh, we're signed to Wise Music, and we are called, like, as an artist, the Daydream Club. <laughs> <laughs> a bit long-winded. <laughs> that was a bit long-winded, <laughs> but that's who we are. We are the Daydream Club, we yeah. write songs and we're doing this podcast. Yes. So, um, we recently went to a festival and saw UB40 and we danced our faces off. <laughs> it was so good, the sun was so shining, good. we had shell suits on, it was a real good time. Um, and so, we started looking for reggae artists within the catalogue and, and some of the team around the globe had suggested some, so it gave us a jumping off point. Yeah. It and uh, one of those was the Paragons, the tide is high. And so it kind of set the tone for this whole episode with a bit of a summery reggae vibe. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. I challenge anyone to listen to this music and not want to boogie. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like, it is so good. And it's such a good thigh workout because if you don't like, you sort of like feeling, I don't the know, bop. low and bouncy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So oh, this track time. as well, it's one of those that's, it's kind of, it feels like it's always been there. It's like, it, it's always existed. Well, for our lifetime and, it has. But. I know, but I feel like, I don't know, it's like just a part of, you know, the structure of music and life. I don't know, it's just always there. But, um, and it's so familiar, but I, I didn't, I didn't particularly know this version, the original. Yeah. It makes me a bit sad that I didn't know the original until now, but there you go. Um <laughs> I really like it. It's got a more like gritty, organic, organic yeah. feel to it. Yeah, I much prefer that. And the vocals are so like as if they're right there with you. And um, it's also got that violin in, which you, you don't really hear in reggae very much from, uh, what was his name? White, White Rum Raymond. White, uh, White, try and White say that or you're Rum drunk. Raymond, yeah. I wonder well, if you could say his own name. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if it's like a reflection of, like, how do you get the nickname White Rum Raymond? I'm assuming that's not his, like, actual given name. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but so I think that was that was quite different, like, for, for reggae. I don't think know? it's typically reggae to have, like, a But it a does add a flavour. Yeah. It does give it a bit of a different texture which I, I really like i really like it and and another fun fact that i found was fun that fact it, fun fact uh was that it wasn't like it was a b-side yeah b-side yeah because the single was only a smile released on seven inch through duke reed who was the producer yeah, his yeah, label producer. treasure island or and trojan labels um and it was the b-side to that single i mean i don't even know that song no but no, it's crazy which ones take off. You just never know, do you? I know. You when you're making something, you have an idea. Yeah, this is the hit on the yeah. album. So put and this on, a, on the A side. This is like picks the lead. The last track, or you know, it's, it's always that way. You it can always never goes tell. like that. But I, I like that. That's like again, it's organic. You know, people hear stuff and it, there's an instant sort of reaction to it, yeah. a connection to it. Still boggles the brain which ones people <laughs> latch onto. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So let, let's play the track, shall we? Yeah. Here it is. Tide is high by the Paragon. Just like that No, oh, 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 oh. 
that was the B-side of the 1967 release by the Paragons, which went on to become their most famous track. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Amazing. But that might be in part due to the next track. So we like to try and find interesting covers and samples. Um, but there's one blindingly obvious <laughs> cover that is unavoidable. What is it, Adam? Yeah. I don't know. What, what is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's only a small band called Blondie that covered Tidy's High. And in 1980, they took it to the top of the UK and US charts. Yeah, so number one. I think that probably helped push, well, that, push that track to yeah, be their best Yeah, it might have had something to do with um, stuff. So I read somewhere that uh, Harry and Stein from Blondie apparently heard the song on a compilation tape they picked up in London and thought it was like too good not to record it they like oh, we have to do this yeah i like that i think they they, they used to like search out uh reggae and scar tracks and things like that i think yeah. they, they had quite a little collection going or something well as i was looking through i mean they have kind of touched upon all kinds of different genres they did reggae with that with um with rapture they they touched upon rap um and obviously heart of glass they touched upon disco like they yeah. kind of put the feelers they weren't they started out as kind of punky but they they explored which is great i love it when bands explore and don't just stick Expand to one sound. The sound a little bit it, um, it keeps things interesting and yeah and and you can keep your sound i think still like it's still quintessentially blondie yeah I well think. there's only one way you can make a sound well you can make lots of sounds i suppose but you know a voice yeah, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. certain anchoring factor to what a artist might sound like yeah. so here's just a little snippet of the blondie's version that's the version that i grew up as an 80s kid that's the version that i knew but actually currently i'm really enjoying the original i I just love the rawness of it yeah it's interesting you spend all this time and advancing technology to sound crisp and clean Mm. and and then the yeah it kind of goes against that element of being a human which is imperfect it takes the character out of it um yeah and i think maybe that's why you maybe get a bit of that element of a nostalgia to worn out things or like old sounding tracks. Yeah, it's got a bit more heart and human element to it. Not that the Blondie's version isn't good. I mean, it's just in this moment, I'm quite enjoying the the rawness of the other one. Yeah, because I, I mean... There's the, a place for both. The Blondie version, um, the production on that will probably sound worn out to kids from today kids. yeah yeah or even to like the atomic when they've kitten got version internal, or something, internal speakers in the in the head already <laughs> when we've got our implants <laughs> yeah. to cancel any noise uh, yeah. so we found an, an article that mentioned that blondie wanted to work with the specials oh, on I thought that this track, was really interesting yeah um, but the specials turned them down if it's true or not like if it's true, i, I yeah, think it was know. something mentioned about a mojo interview that it had been like yeah proposed yeah yeah, that's interesting. But so then later on in 1997, Debbie Harry did, however, work with the Jazz Passengers for an alt version of the song, which we're going to play next, just a snippet of. And it's it's a lot more like double bass laden and more laid back, mm. lots more like a mass of, of vocals. It's, just it's more, quite of, a different it is more feel. of an alternative version, isn't it? Than like the Blondie version was. Yeah, it was, was quite more. a faithful cover, really, yeah. isn't it? That one. 
Yeah, I like this though. It's interesting. Yeah, so here it is. Coming back around now to the Paragons and we're going to be looking at the track Man Next Door, which personally, I adore this track. Yeah, so good. Uh, we'll get to the cover version that I particularly really, really love, but we'll get to that in a minute. Isn't it funny, actually, though, we keep on discovering all these tracks through cover versions and then discovering the originals from... Well, that. it's those cover versions that are bringing it to each new generation. I think it is that, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, but the original is... Mm. is awesome but we're actually going to play so let me rewind a second <laughs> i'm getting ahead of myself and brain um so the paragons were made up of john holt tyrone evans and howard barrett like a vocal trio and john holt was kind of the lead yeah, he singer took the lead. so in, um, in, in uh um, tide's high and stuff that was john holt sort of singing the main lead yeah and they all got involved in the writing they say it was quite collaborative um and so for Man Next Door, there is a Paragons version, but we've, we're have we going to play the John Holt version. Not for any particular reason. I just, I particularly liked mm. that recording when I was listening to both and his voice sounds really nice on the, on this. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just got that one spoke to me yeah, and I just got, thought, yeah, I want to nice. play that one. We've played a Paragons track. Um, but yeah, it's just that, it's the classic, super sombre, sombre, dark lyrics but put it to a reggae sort of bounce, bounce and you. you almost don't hear the the lyrics, do you? You sort of, if you, if you weren't listening, then I suppose it's like classic reggae, isn't it? If you're not listening, you could just sort of dance and yeah. Well, have, I mean, have a good when we were going to do that. this episode, I was thinking, oh, we should maybe do a little bit about the history of reggae, how it became to be, what what created reggae, but. I started to look into it. It's like, that's a big question. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a lot of factors big that goes topic, into yeah. it. And it's not just music. It's, it's Politics, political yeah. and global. Like, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was too big to, to, <laughs> to cope with. We thought, well, we'll just rein it back into the music and how great it is, the product of all of those multicultures and things coming together. And I think part of it is uh, Bob Mamba. Bob Marley. Bob, 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 Bob. <laughs> Bob Marley. Like Bob Marley always said, uh, "Light up the dark," and I think that's that almost sums up reggae. You know, it, it's there's there's a lot of darkness in the world, and and a lot you know, of the topics that they're singing about are really like serious. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want people to pay attention, you've got to break it to them gently. You've got uh -huh. to get them into the music, get them dancing, and then they'll subconsciously take in the message. Mm. And I think this is like that. You know, uh, man next door. It's about a guy who lives next door who gets in late at night and and i presume you know suggesting with the lyrics that he beats up his family yeah. or whatever and and the character you're following john holt or whoever's singing the lead is saying i need to get away from need this to get my family, need to get my out, family here, yeah. out it's not a so place to be yeah it's it's quite it's not a nice quite place. dark you know subject matter but you can also just dance to the music and get into the groove of it so. yeah exactly so we'll play it um, yeah this is Man Next Door, the John Holt version. Yeah. 
Get me going. It's just such a good track. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Quite simple with the alternating hooks as well, but I could listen to them go round and round <laughs> personally. Um, um but and, on the subject yeah. of um that kind of the dark music against no, sorry, no, the, the dark, light music yeah. against the dark lyric, the next track we're gonna play, the snippet of, is is the really famous cover that the, the, the what, one what that I we yeah heard it from. first. Yeah, so it, it's Massive Attack. They they did a cover of Man Next Door. So what year was that released? We... That was released on Mezzanine, the album, in 1998. Gosh, that album was 1998. Wow. Yeah. So it's another like long journey from the original to then this new market of people hearing it. But what I like about this, actually, like having spoken about you know how you can have dark lyrics against the upbeat one is that this almost like embraces the tone of the lyrics oh yeah they fully leaned into the darkness of the lyrics with that i mean it's so heavy and dark that and music is isn't that it? vocal awesome. by horace andy as well it's just oh, and his, his trademark vibrato <sighs> yeah yeah so obviously this is like a personal favorite what you i didn't probably... realize sorry <laughs> oh, to go on, off. Go on, um, go on. when i was looking into this i'd also discovered there's another little secret like sample in there okay. uh, so the drum groove that features heavily throughout is actually when the levy breaks by led zeppelin what yeah i didn't know that how did you find that out you've been been, I've uh, been internet I've been digging in yeah i was sleuthing <laughs> and uh, i found that i was like how did i not spot that just from listening but i'm gonna have to listen hear, to the like, sample oh. now because i can't i can't hear it in my mind yeah even though you just did it you just did a lovely uh, little beatbox <laughs> uh, um, yeah i want to listen to that now that's oh you'll cool. hear it right now okay here it is um so this is massive attacks version of man next door Oh, love that. Masters of Melancholy. So good. Such an amazing vibe they've created. Yeah. yeah. It is like a world of their own sound, isn't it? Yeah. So moving on is a, another really well-known track uh, called Kingston Town. Lots of different versions. We'll get to the original creator mm, uh, nice. after like this next there. one. Um, <laughs> you'll see what I did there Later. in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but first, we thought we'd start with like a really well-known version by UB40, and we'll play a little snippet of that. Um, I think they maybe did a lot for making it quite a famous track. Yeah. I don't know if they were the key people, I couldn't say for sure, but they definitely really raised the profile of this yeah. version, this track. Yeah, they did. And what I like um, from what I've read is that... Uh, I think you before you sort of aim to write wrongs done to writers when covering tracks. So they like 
actively seek out the original writers and registered them on PRS. That's what I read. And I thought that was like quite a cool story. Yeah, definitely good. Always we're firm believers of giving credit where credit's due. So we appreciate that. Um, little story we read about uh, UB40 and how they got going, which I think is quite interesting. I didn't know. Um, when he was 17, Ali Campbell got glassed in the face. Um, he had, what was it, like 90 stitches or something? Yeah, on one some side. in the eye and everything. Yeah. and um, serious. His brother encouraged him to file for settlement or like something. Some compensation scheme. Um, yeah. So then two years later, when he was 19, he actually did get a lump sum of money, which he then used to invest into his mates and instruments to set up UB40 or what came to be UB40. Yeah. So after being unemployed since leaving school, like he got this money in a compensation scheme and then UB40 was born like and 12 gigs later, they're famous. That was the other interesting thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're telling me. So, I mean, it takes bands years to get going. Some never get going. Um, These did 12 gigs and then they were spotted by the pretenders and they took them on tour to do another 35 dates, which at that point, there was more dates than they'd ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then, boom, they were off. Everyone saw the potential and yeah. away they go. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, really interesting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I like that. I thought that was, yeah, the, the funny things you don't know about the origins of uh, Yeah, how you bands. get going. Um, it's so, definitely a different one as well, isn't it? Get glassed in the face to start a band. Yeah. Well, not fun. I don't think I I'd like to. If he do it again, if he could do things differently, would he change anything? You know, if you could step into the TARDIS, go back in time. Well, do you know what's interesting? This sort of brings up like uh, class class uh, stories as well, because it probably wouldn't have happened, would it? Because they wouldn't have had the money. They were all on the dole. Well, in bet- so was it in between him getting glass in the face and then getting the settlement money? Him and his brothers and his mates all ended up on the dole. Yes, literally um, left surviving school, on living was it seven pound fifty a week. Oh, you're getting very specific now. Not no, I'm just trying to remember what you said to me. Sorry, it um, wasn't a lot though. Yeah, and obviously that's what then inspired the name of the band. I mean, it's interesting, and I, th- I think that shows why they would um, seek out making sure people get paid correctly. Yeah, yeah, which I like. So anyway, no jibber jabber. <laughs> Here's a snippet of their version of Kingston Town. Bringing back the festival fun, that is. That, uh, that li- initial keyboard riff just gets you going straight away. But we did hint at it before. So the original creator was actually Lord Creator, uh, otherwise known as Kendrick Patrick. Yeah. And, and uh, we're going to play that, but his version, the original version in full in a moment. Yeah. Pay homage to the original, which is pretty cool, uh, which actually is like not the original original, but again, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but... Something I like. Full of enigma. I know, I know. (laughs) Hanging on. You probably already know. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, come on, just spit it out. Um, But yeah, I read a a BBC. No, not BBC. I'm I'm lying. It was a Billboard interview uh, with Ali Campbell, um, cause uh, Lord Creator didn't earn a lot of money for that track initially. I don't think it was. He was like credited 
properly. Yeah, I think that's quite a tradition of that time, isn't it? Generally. The producers would sort of get all the money and own the tracks and the rights to it. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of stuff. I remember reading something about the Funk Soul Brothers in Motown as well. They basically were the backing group for pretty much all of the the sound of Motown, but they were just paid pittance for for their hours, not, for not royalties. Even yeah. though you think of My Girl, that opening guitar riff, you know that's the song but that was just the session musician you can't copyright a chord or yeah, a uh, vocal yeah um, so you do copyright a chord and melody you can't copyright a riff oh, <laughs> get it right turn it all wrong <laughs> um yeah but obviously with ub40 covering that and then registering the track and crediting the writer properly actually saw um kendrick patrick getting royalties for it and for the uh, first time yeah, yeah yeah and ali campbell had said in this interview that um he came to meet them at the airport in jamaica and brought his whole family and told them he'd been really ill and couldn't pay, pay his bills and now thanks to like their cover the royalties, of it yeah. yeah um he's you know doing so much better built a house and he's eating sweeties every day or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like that bit at the end yeah. as well eating loads of sweets yeah it's important stuff in life that's um, a nice nice story that is i think um because then, I mean, it is interesting. We were also reading about, uh, so Bob Marley wrote I Shot the Sheriff, but it wasn't until Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton yeah. released the version that it became the first reggae number one. And, you know, there's something a bit, there's something wrong, quite wrong yeah. about that. Why did, why did Bob Marley's not go to the top? I know that's not, I mean, Bob Marley will still have been credited in getting royalties, but mm. it does bring up, you know, uncomfortable conversation especially around this era of artists and, you know, culture. and. Mm, I mean, I think maybe UB40 crediting it, that's like the start of hopefully a bit more respect being paid to the writers. Um, I think you go back to like the 40s and 50s and, the, and literally I don't even think the writers got any rights. So they'd mm. create things that'd just be paid like pins for them and yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be referenced anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, fair play to UB40 for making sure they're accredited and well done lord creator for a great track yes which we are now going to play in full in its full glory because it's it's an awesome track yeah so here it is kingston town by lord creator Then my 
the feeling what? i was just like yeah i was literally thinking in my head yes oh get out just... my brain <laughs> seriously oh, that's weird. Your own thoughts wow well yes yeah. well done it's just brilliant isn't it yep and yeah. we discovered a, another little thing part of our research it was actually released earlier in 1964 by lord creator as a, a scar tune but it, it was under the name king and queen yeah and yeah. um, it changed the name Kingston Town. So From originally Babylon. it was Babylon mm, mm-hmm. and they changed it to Kingston Town. And we're going to play a little snippet of that we'll as well so you can hear. And it's great. Another great vibe, but still you can the hear origin the foundation of the, idea. of the song. Well, the, the lyrics and everything were the exact same except for that Well, the song's word. the same. It's just yeah. the arrangement is changed. Fun. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so here it is. <laughs> So we're coming to the end of the episode now. We're going to feature just one more classic track and and a sample um, that used, yeah, part of that track. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2006, Lily Allen released a track called NDL. N? Not D <laughs> L. Oh man, what's that? Spoonerism or something when you get things backwards. No, is that just not just dyslexia? I just read it wrong. L D N. Yeah. Um, and it took a, an amazing sample from the track Reggae Merengue. Um, and we're going to round off the show with Reggae Merengue in full, but we'll just play a little snippet of the Lily Allen track that basically was built on that yeah. sample. A great choice of a sample. It I mean. is an amazing choice. that brings us to the last track and hopefully you'll agree it's a really good one it's pure sunshine i think so yeah (laughs) wiggle in the chair so the track is reggae merengue uh released in 1970 by tommy mccook and the supersonics i read uh, that some of the supersonics went on to be the rhythm section for toots in the males as well yeah that's cool that is a cool thing yeah little little fun fact i'm full of fun facts today (laughs) yeah (laughs) a little factoid in the corner yeah um i think I think this original version 
it makes me think of like if Moondog did reggae or something. That's know. a fun comparison. Because uh, I was cool. reading, so Tommy McCook is a saxophonist and band leader, so it's got that kind of Com- sax for packs element, but mm. with the uh, reggae background type thing. It's, I like that. Yeah, it's, I like it's that. quite a cool blend. Cool. Yeah. Um, good work. I was reading. So, <laughs> you seem yeah, pleased yeah, <laughs> I'm cool, pleased cool. with that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Tommy That's was cool born in Havana, Cuba, and moved to Jamaica in 1933. And I think I think you can hear that a bit with this, with all the percussion. It's got a bit of a more of a Latin Cuban kind of feel mixed mm. in with the the reggae vibes. So yeah. it's a little bit different to just straight up reggae. It's similar to with Lord Creator as well, because he was born in Trinidad and yeah. moved to Jamaica. So it was like a full on melting. Pot, it was wasn't a melting it? pot, yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so. This is the last track, um, Reggae Merengue by Tommy McCook and the Supersonics. We are Adam and Paula from the Daydream Club and you've been listening to the Wise Choice Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed our show, you might also like Composing Myself. It's another wise music podcast which features interviews with composers and writers getting into the nitty gritty about how they write and their process behind it all. You can find links to it in our podcast or just search for Composing Myself on your platform of choice.